Christian Parenting. Welcome to the Moms in Prayer podcast, a place where we are encouraged and equipped as moms so we can better pray for and impact the next generation. Our heart's desire is for every school in every nation all around the world to be covered in prayer. We're so thankful you joined us today. Let's get started. This is the Moms in Prayer podcast powered by Christian Parenting. I'm your host, Stacy Callender. Before we begin, I want to take a minute and talk to you about our friends and ministry partner, Christian Parenting. The Moms in Prayer podcast is part of the Christian Parenting Podcast Network, which is reaching over a million moms and dads with trusted biblical guidance every month. Besides producing podcasts like the Moms in Prayer podcast, Christian Parenting also develops practical tools to help parents like us become the perfectly imperfect parents God created us to be. A few times a year, we reach out on their behalf and encourage our audience to financially partner with Christian Parenting. Today is that day. Would you take a minute and give to our friends at Christian Parenting who continue to put ministries like Moms in Prayer before over a million people? Imagine what could happen around the world as we link arms together. Giving is easy. Just visit cpgive.org. That's cpgive.org. Like Moms in Prayer, Christian Parenting is 100% donor-funded and relies on listeners like you and me to support the future creation of parenting resources. So thank you for giving generously today. Denise, welcome to the Moms in Prayer podcast. Thank you so much for having me. We are thrilled to have you here today. So let's just have you start out with sharing a little bit about you and your family and where you live. All right. Well, I have been a mom for over 27 years. So my I have three, two girls and a boy, my oldest, mm-hmm. 27. And then I have a 19-year-old and an 18-year-old. My youngest is a senior in high school. Whoa. So this is our last year with one in school. Mm-hmm. And then we're launching our youngest this coming spring. So that's wow. the season of life we're in. I love that. And you have a new devotional called Sanctuary. And I loved it. It was so good. So would you like to share your heart for writing this book? Oh, yes. It's It was really, the title came from my prayer. My heart's prayer was, I wanted sanctuary from all the noise coming at us in our culture. And I don't just mean the literal noise. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of the visual noise on all the Ooh. screens that are at us everywhere yeah. we go. There are screens. And there's just so much noise and it's always this worldly like pull that's just pulling us in this direction. And my heart's prayer was, Lord, I, w- I want sanctuary from the world around us. And so that really became my heart's prayer. And the verse in First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 11, that verse where Paul tells us to seek to lead a quiet life, that verse just gripped me. And I just kept studying that verse, memorizing it, writing it on my heart, and studying the whole book of Thessalonians and really unpacking what Paul was communicating. Because Paul himself, I would say, I mean, if you look at all of his letters and his life story, he wasn't necessarily a quiet type of person. And yet he's the one telling us, lead a quiet life. So what does that look like in our world today? And so that was really what began my journey towards studying all the scriptures in the Bible that really talk about sanctuaries. So I did a study in the Bible of the sanctuaries. 
Yes, you did. And it's so special to go on that journey with you. So let's start with this question. Is it possible to lead a quiet life today? It is, but I don't think it will happen just automatically. I think it it's possible with intention mm-hmm. because I think the current of our culture is going to carry us along one direction if we're not being intentional to swim upstream <laughs> against the grain, so to speak, of culture. So it absolutely is possible, but it has to be something we're very intentionally pursuing. Just like you did, right? You asked the Lord. I mean, you wanted to find that. And then in studying it, the Lord showed you all throughout scripture. And now I love how you take us through, you take us back to the tabernacle and to the temple, many of those pictures, and you really expound on those in the devotion. So would you like to share some of the things that we can learn from looking at the tabernacle, looking at sanctuary in scripture? Yes. I mean, when we think of the word sanctuary today, Mm -hmm. Most of us typically think of where we gather on Sunday morning for our Sunday morning weekly church service. Mm -hmm. And and that's okay. I mean, that's our gathering place. But then that kind of leads us to believe that sanctuary is a place. And even when we look in the Old Testament, we see the tabernacle was a physical place, Mm -hmm. as was the temple that later replaced the tabernacle. Mm -hmm. But when we really study all the elements of the tabernacle and the temple later that really followed the same pattern, every single element that made up the tabernacle, all of it pointed to Christ. From the lampstand to the bread of presence to the wash basin by the door, all of it pointed to Christ. And so what that's really telling us is Christ is our sanctuary. Oh, that's it's not so a good. Place. It's yes. the person. The person of Christ is our sanctuary. And when we're looking to him, we can go to him. And on this side of the cross, we can go to him wherever we are. We don't have to, you know, get in a car and drive to the local sanctuary. Now the spirit dwells inside us as believers. And so we can have sanctuary with us wherever we go. Wow. What a gift. Okay, so I'm going to ask you to take us a little deeper into one of those examples. And one of my favorites that you talk about is the mirrors and that wash basin. So will you share about that devotion? Yes. So the entrance to the tabernacle, there were three sections on the inside, but at the entrance, before the the Levites, the priests could enter in through the door, they had to go through a ceremonial washing where they had to wash their hands and feet. And so Moses, he collected bronze mirrors from all the women. And where did the women get these? They were out in the middle of the wilderness. Well, it's part of the plunder from when they left Egypt, right before they walked through the middle of the Red Sea. So the women, they donated highly polished bronze mirrors. Like today, our mirrors are made of glass. But back then, it was highly polished bronze that would show them their reflection. Mm -hmm. Well, they donated these and Moses and, you know, Moses had his team of craftsmen he brought together. Mm -hmm. They melted down these bronze mirrors and then they created a large wash basin, basically. And if you think about it, then there was water in that basin. And now then ever a priest would like lean over and wash their hands in that water the reflection would really, I mean, yeah, they might've seen their own reflection physically, but that wash basin and the water 
was really reflecting Christ and how we can't enter into his presence without being washed by Christ. And on this side of the cross, that's, of course, by the blood of Christ Mm -hmm. that he shed on the cross. But on on the other side, in the Old Testament, it was very ritualistic. And so I just love that image of relinquishing worldly mirrors and turning that to Christ and having our focus not be on ourselves, but having our focus be on Christ. And I think in the world we live in today with screens in everybody's back pocket, I mean, if we were to do a little, just kind of a little history of screens, the evolution of screens, go back to the early 1900s, when we would have to leave our house and go to a theater to watch characters, actors on a big screen. That's right. But then mid 1900s, pretty much now everybody has a small screen, a television inside their homes. Mm -hmm. Now the convenience, now it's inside our homes. Now we have gone from the big screen to the small screen to the micro screen. And now the micro screen is in everyone's back pocket. But the difference is one, the portable nature of these micro screens. We can take them with us everywhere we go. We can even keep them on our person. Mm -hmm. The other big difference is on the big screen and the small screen, movies and television, we're watching actors portray a story. On the micro screen, we now have become the main character in what has become the reality show of our lives. Mm -hmm. And so in many ways, these micro screens have become modern day mirrors where we're focusing more and more on ourselves in a fairly unhealthy, intensive kind of way. And I I don't think anybody's going to argue with that. I live in the world too. I get it. I have teenage daughters. I get Mm -hmm. it. But I just love the idea of the women giving their bronze mirrors to Moses and having them melted away. So their focus was then on Christ. And that was such an encouragement to me. Powerful. It's so good, Denise. I love that one. And there's so many more in there. So what about this? What about some of the questions that we need to ask ourselves when we feel like we're failing to lead a quiet life? Mm -hmm. If you feel like you're failing at this quiet life thing. <laughs> I, I get that. I understand that because it just feels so countercultural. But having a quiet heart and living a quiet life isn't something we achieve once and for all and then check mark, that's it. We move on to something else. It's really an ongoing lifestyle. And having a living a quiet life is about having a quiet heart. And so one of the questions, if we feel like we're really struggling with this whole quiet heart stuff, is to ask ourselves, Are we tethered to people and places? How well are we tethered to people and places? And I mean people in our homes, in our schools, in our churches, in our neighborhoods. How well are we connected and relating to people in our zip code versus (laughs) in this online realm, which it's so much fun and I get it, but it can also get to the point where we can easily spend more time on screens talking to people in other zip codes or other time zones or even other states, other countries. And then that could lead to the relationships in our homes those relationships can atrophy. So if we feel like we're struggling at this quiet life business, Mm -hmm. I would want to ask ourselves, how well am I tethered and connected 
to the real people I live with and work with and go to church with and go to school with. That is so important. So being tethered to people and to actual places, I Mm. think that helps us remain anchored in God's created world rather than man's created meta universe. So good. That's excellent. That's super helpful. Thanks so much, Denise. Another one of my favorites from your devotion is vessels of purpose. And perhaps I related to this so much because I'm in women's ministry or involved with my church with the women, but this one was so precious to me. And you share the story of the women of your church, and you also relate it to the story of the widow of Zarephath. Will you share on this? Well, the women in my church all the way up to COVID, I've always been a part of Tuesday night women's Bible study or a Thursday morning women's Bible study. I mean, that has been a mainstay for me is being in the word with women in our church. And there was just one woman. She always came and filled up the canisters of coffee for us. But one Saturday morning, we gathered in the church sanctuary because she was saying goodbye to her husband. And I sat with women in a row And as I looked down the the pew, we were literally in an older sanctuary and we were sitting on a pew. Mm -hmm. I realized almost every woman in that row was a widow and they knew exactly what the woman on the front row was going through. And they were there. And I mean, there was such a sense of solidarity. They were there to be for her and to to really receive her into their love and and their community. And I, I just was so moved. I mean, they preached such a powerful sermon just without even words, just in their presence and the way they loved on each other. It's such a beautiful picture of how women can minister to women. And it reminded me of the widow of Zarephath, where Elijah was on the run from (laughs) a very corrupt worldly king. And the king, you know, his wife is trying to basically murder all the prophets. And he's on the run and God tells him to go to a widow, a widow's home in Zarephath. Well, that was interesting because that was not inside Israel proper. That was Mm -hmm. basically going into enemy territory. And so he goes and he finds this widow and socioeconomically widows were considered the poorest of the poor. And there had been a famine going on for years. So he gets there and he asks for a meal and he and she says all i have left is enough flour and oil to make one last meal for myself and my son and then we're going to die because there literally is no more food and elijah says make me some bread and and she does and i think that's crazy it i is. would say sorry buddy you're on your own this is all i've got left didn't you just and hear what does. i said i have only enough him. Yeah. And then the miracle of multiplication happens and the flour and the oil in those vessels, very ordinary vessels, did not run dry. And she had plenty to eat, she and her son and the prophet who was staying with her. She was an ordinary woman living in a very ungodly culture. And yet God used her in such a powerful way. And not only that, but generations later, when Jesus stepped into the synagogue and read from the scrolls, he basically announced his public ministry by referencing the widow of Zarephath. I mean, you think about someone who in the world's eyes was considered not an influencer by any means. And yet 
she had so much influence and so much impact that Jesus used her story to introduce himself to the world as the Messiah. And I think about those women sitting on that pew supporting their sister in Christ who was going through a major life change. These women, they're not on staff. They're not considered online influencers, but they have so much influence and so much purpose in the people they are ministering to in their local church. And that's what we need to be inspired by women like that more than maybe the influencers we see on our micro screens. As we take this quick break, don't forget the opportunity to give to our friends and ministry partner, Christian Parenting. Giving is easy. Just visit cpgive.org. That's cpgive.org. The Moms and Prayer podcast is part of the Christian Parenting Podcast Network, which is reaching over a million moms and dads with trusted biblical guidance every month. Christian Parenting is 100% donor-funded and relies on listeners like you and me to support the future creation of parenting resources. So thank you for giving generously today. Excellent. So good. So Denise, would you? I know this is a hard question, but do you want to pick one of your favorites and share it with us too from the devotion? Well, one of my favorites is coming from California. I lived there most of my life. And Mm -hmm. along the central coast is Hearst Castle. Mm -hmm. And you can take tours of the castle. And it's so big that one tour won't even cover it. You have, there's like four different tours you can take to see all of the estate. And it's funny to me because we're so enthralled by the lifestyles of the rich and famous. But that was true even back in biblical times too, because there's a story of, uh, let's see, Solomon. Solomon was having like his wealth was being known throughout everywhere. And people heard about his wisdom and his extreme extravagant lifestyle. And then let's see, the queen of Egypt came and wanted to take a tour of Solomon's palace, basically. And that kind of relates to today because We tend in our humanness to be drawn to the fancy, the elite, the powerful, the wealthy. And what tends to get a lot of capital online? The wealthy, the elite, the fancy, right? And so just this idea that in our humanness and in the world we live in, we're so drawn to wealth and extravagance. But if we're going to truly be committed to living a quiet life, even those physical possessions. And there's nothing wrong with owning things. I get that. We're actually not even the owners. We're the stewards and God is the owner. But if we're going to truly live a quiet life, we need to live a life with open hands and not be consumed with this pursuit of more wealth, more things. We need to truly live a life where it's a pursuit of less. And because we're not pursuing the things as much as we're pursuing Christ. That's excellent. So, so good. And you know what? I giggled out loud when I read the story of Honkers and Saints 
So will you share the story behind this? Oh, well, I am from a small town in Northern California. And for one year in high school, I was a cheerleader. And our town mascot, we were the honkers. Now, if you go anywhere outside of our town, people would ask us, what is a honker? And so we would have to explain a honker is a Canadian goose. And our hometown had a wildlife refuge. And every year, thousands of geese would fill the sky flying to our hometown for the winter. And they make a very loud, obnoxious sound that can really only be described as a honk. So they're called honkers. And we had even across our cheerleader vests, the word honkers right across the middle. And I do not remember whose bad idea that was, but we were the honkers. And honestly, I always wished in high school that we could have been the Falcons or the Eagles or the Seahawks. I mean, anything would have been more sophisticated than the honkers. So I was always a little embarrassed by that. And I kind of remember carrying that with me into like adulthood, like, oh, phew, I'm done with high school. I don't have to be a honker anymore. (laughs) And I just think that's kind of funny because we tend to live in a world that feels like a lot of honking online. Mm -hmm. And I just remember years later, my daughter was on the dance team at her high school in Southern California. And at one point, all the dance team, they started chanting, go saints, go. And it just struck me like I already knew what the high school mascot was, but I just remembered, oh, my kids are saints. I'm so glad (laughs) I didn't pass on being honkers. But um, I just think about that that chant, go saints, go. And that really is Paul's heart's cry in all of his letters to the churches that he wrote to in the New Testament, that is now our New Testament, his letters. I mean, if we could summarize all of his letters, it would be go saints, go. Don't give up. Don't, Don't quit. Don't be discouraged. No matter how loud and honking the world around us becomes, We have a God who is bigger than all of it. He's created the world and there is eternal perspective beyond what we can see and hear with our eyes and our ears. And when we have our eyes set on eternity, the things of this world right here, right now pale in comparison. So to lead a quiet life is to know that we're saints, not because we're so saintly, but because Christ has imputed his righteousness to us. And Paul encourages us to lead a quiet life and to go saint go and to don't give up because Christ, he has created a place for us and he is coming again and he is creating a new heaven and a new earth and we're going to spend eternity with him. Excellent, Denise. And, you know, as you were saying, you did really weave first Thessalonians 4.11 throughout the book and talks about leading a quiet life, but it also talks about working with our hands. And as you're speaking to moms and to grandmas and to praying aunts all around the world, I was really touched when I read your realization about what your hands, how God has used your hands. Could you share that with, with the ladies listening? Well, my whole life, I've always been a little bit embarrassed by my hands. I share in the book some stories of how I had some scars from an incident when I was a kid and my it left my hands kind of scarred. And as I've gotten older, I've had skin cancer on my hands. And so I've had some skin removed. And so 
my hands have never been very pretty and I tend to hide them inside long sleeves wherever I go. But I, I think about the hands and feet of Christ and how his hands are scarred from the cross and what he did with his hands was purchase our salvation and to not be ashamed of my hands and the scars on my hands. And while I don't have pretty hands, I can look back and see how these scarred hands of mine, they have held my babies. They've rocked my babies. They've measured medicine for my babies when they were little and not feeling well. They've signed permission slips for them to go on field trips. They've brushed hair. They've They've gripped a steering wheel while I drive them back and forth to their different things they're committed to. I mean, these hands of mine have labored really for 27 years raising my kids. And these hands of mine have also really opened up and let go and and now really just praying my kids through these seasons as they are entering into adulthood. But what we do with our hands, it really does matter. And Christ modeled that for us in the ultimate way on the cross. Excellent. Is there any final encouragement that you would like to share, Denise? Oh, I just want to encourage any listeners who, if you hear that verse from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 11, where Paul tells us to seek to lead a quiet life, It might be tempting to think, well, he's talking about introverts. I mean, introverts can lead a quiet life, but the rest of us, you know, (laughs) we can't all lead a quiet life. And I really want to encourage everyone to understand that leading a quiet life has nothing to do with whether you're naturally quiet or naturally more boisterous. And and I have kids who are both. So it's it's not about your natural temperament or natural personality or your bent. It's about your heart and it's about the spiritual condition of your heart. So I want to encourage even those who feel like, man, my teacher was always telling me to stop talking because I just talk and I'm always loud. (laughs) I want to encourage you, especially that, yes, you too can lead a quiet life because we lead from our hearts and that's what leads us to a quiet life. Excellent. Oh, Denise, having you here has been such a gift. Will you give one final gift? Will you please pray for our listeners? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me here. Lord, I just want to pray for each mom listening right now. Lord, I want to thank you for them and thank you for the way that they gather to pray for their sons and daughters and for the children in schools and in classrooms right where they live. I'm so grateful for them, Lord. Thank you for the way that you have revealed yourself to them and that you have drawn them to you, Lord, and that they have learned to seek you through prayer. Lord, I pray that you would encourage each mom, wherever they are right now, in whatever season they're in, whether they're moms of littles or or middles or moms of older kids, Lord, that every season is special and that they are serving a purpose in their families and in their neighborhoods and in those schools where they are praying that what they do matters. And even if it feels unseen, Lord, nothing goes unseen by you. You see what we are doing with our hands every day, and you see what we're doing with our hearts as we gather to pray for those in our schools. So Lord, I just pray you encourage each mom right now to know that she is not unseen. She is very much seen by you, God, and that 
She is your daughter and you see her as precious and you love us, God. We thank you for that. We thank you for the love you have for us and our kids and all the kids in our schools. We thank you, Lord. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Don't forget the opportunity to give to our friends and ministry partner, Christian Parenting. Giving is easy. Just visit cpgive.org. That's cpgive.org. We'd love to have you join us in your prayers, in a group, and your financial support keeps us going. You can get our show notes, links to the things we talked about, and ways to give on our website at momsinprayer.org.